What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource that will be used and is used and always should be used by athletic communications professionals in collegiate sports. I mean, you can you can take that into pro sports if you want. I'm not, I'm not going to stop you. But for the most part, yeah, we're kind of a college sports as of right now. I did get the question the other day. Um, if we would ever have a pro sport person in the future, and the, ho- the hope is, yeah, absolutely, that would be pretty nice to have. And but one thing at a time. And right now, we got to get through episode one. It is a great one, guys. Max Rottenecker is our guest today from Wagner. He's originally from Germany. Came over uh, for Ithaca. Wanted to, he knew he wanted to be in digital media and sport, or like that kind of realm or aspect and Ithaca was able to give him that opportunity wasn't really able to do much uh, playing football here in America but in the latter years of his uh, undergrad education he was able to uh, get that experience needed and then eventually led him to Wagner again I don't I don't want to spoil anything because it was a really fun chat talking to him Uh, quick disclaimer though I have no idea why I think my phone was positioned weird or maybe I just had the laptop too far away maybe, but uh, my questions are a little bit muffled. Uh, I did turn it up as best as I could, but for the most part, I'm kind of hard to hear, but I think I fixed it to the point to where I'm a little bit audible, and, and you guys will be able to know the direction that I'm heading with these questions, but hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Uh, next week, I want to point this out before we, we move on any further. Next week, I'm off. Uh, I will be working. I will be editing uh, some things for our special seven episodes in seven days campaign, all from the Hoosier State. Uh, that is for our one year anniversary, guys, and that and that's kind of crazy to go through. So, I believe I'm looking at my calendar right now. I believe that I have, gosh, three of the four, uh, not scheduled but recorded, and then I'm doing two on Thursday, the Thursday that you're actually listening to this, which is in the future. Still kind of weird to me. But so I'll be recording two today as this episode airs, and then I'll have one more to record and then edit and then put out. And we will have a special contest for that, and I will detail that here coming soon. But right now, again, just have to get through one thing at a time, and I do have to kind of keep you guys in suspense. That way, uh, you know, you, you keep interest. That'd be, that'd be pretty nice. But um, in preparation for that, of our contest, you will need to follow us on social media at Sports Infocast. And you can also follow us on, not follow, but you can email me anytime, uh, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. So, guys, I knew this was going to be a pretty quick one. That's what we he and I kind of talked about. So I'm not going to go any further with this. Again, this Max Rottenecker, and I believe what we'll start off talking about is his very first taste in sports information right here on SIDcast. Oh, my very first taste of sports information. That's that's already a tough question. You're starting with a tough one right off the bat. Um, Probably, I mean, I didn't really get into sports information like working in um, business till my senior year of college, um, just because I was a student athlete. Um, but I would say my first taste was my freshman year. Um, I was um, at Ithaca College. I was um, playing football at the time, and I got an email through our ma- from our major, and they were like, "Hey, our sports information." Um, 
people are looking for interns and I showed up and I was like, Hey, like I want to do this. And the SID knew me because he was at the football meeting and, you know, saw me there. Um, but he was like, yeah, like let's wait and, and wait and see. And we don't really take athletes and all that stuff. So I ended up doing a bunch of other internships while I was in college. And then my senior year, once I was done playing, I was like, hey, I want to do this. Um, my program, I was, I was a sport media major. My program um, required internships. So I was like, I would love to do this internship for a couple of credits with um, the sports information department. And at that time, I was great friends with the SID from, you know, the playing days and all that stuff and, and working games for our radio station. Um, um, so that was an easy transition. And I basically started working there um, almost nine to five um, my last semester there. And then I, I transitioned into the job here at Wagner where um, I'm a GA here. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm an SID here. Perfect. So why did you choose Ithaca? I know Ithaca has a, a pretty good sport media major, sport management thing. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. So um, originally my background, um, I'm not from the U.S. I'm originally from Germany. Um, so um, take it back to, to the high school days. I did a um, foreign exchange year in northeast Pennsylvania. Then I went back to Germany to finish up high school. And I basically applied to schools, uh, you can say across the world, in, in Europe and in the U.S. and um, so in the in the U.S., my um, I wanted to go sport media wherever I, you know, sports journalism, sport media, something like that, wherever I applied. So not a lot of schools have that to begin with, and so in Germany it was like two schools, and they both required a very tough sport test. Like even if you were going for media, the sports schools require you to do a sport test, and I was like, man, I'm a pretty good athlete, but I can't do the gymnastics and I can't do the swimming competitively like competitive right. swimming that's just not my thing um and i i'm not really the most flexible dude so i can't do gymnastics so um when i looked at the u.s schools ithaca just jumped out it, it, it checked off all the boxes a great sport media major um i wanted to try to play college football um and and walk on so it had to be kind of a division three school i wanted to be close to um northeast pa um where I, I lived with my host family um, in, in 2009. I feel very old saying that. Um, so um, all of that came together. So I, I applied to Ithaca, got in, went there without ever visiting, which was kind of wild, but um, I, it, it was great. I mean, I think Ithaca, I can only recommend it to to anybody who's, who's listening to this. This is an amazing school, and I'm dying to get back there. It's tough when you're an SID um, because you're working all these weekends, and so you can never come back to like the homecoming football game because you're working on a football game as that happens. Um, but I'm, I'm dying to get back there. I can't wait to, to make it happen, hopefully at the end of the fall or in the spring. Did you play American football in Germany? I did not. I played them. Um, so so I, was a, I was a soccer player in high school, um, and then you know the cliche thing when and, and I kicked in high school uh, when I was in the U.S. Went back. I went to a couple of practices. You know, the, the team was an hour away. Um, they were hitting with like five. It was like five people at practice, and they were going full pads and full hitting. So then every once in a while, you were like matched up with an offensive lineman or a linebacker, and then you got crushed. Um, so I was like, ah, maybe I should just focus on, you know, getting into the best shape that I can get myself into for when I actually want to try to walk on at Ithaca. And that, that worked out pretty well. So I walked on there um, and and had a pretty pretty good career um, uh, playing D three football. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious when you were in Germany, or where you're originally from, obviously. What did you know about uh, college athletics in the United States? 
not not much, not much. I mean, the um, most most people, and this is interesting because I know most SIDs will have to deal with international students for sports like soccer or um, field hockey or, or other sports where they're big in Europe. Um, you don't really know much about college athletics. You start watching the pro sports like football and hockey and basketball, and then they start mentioning, oh, these guys went to school here and these guys went to school there. And you're like, because the sports system is so different. It's club sports from the way from the way down. So when I interned, um, just take a step back, when I interned in Germany for um, Schalke 04, which is like one of the top soccer teams there, they have, they start out with like U9. And they, you know, with with transfer fees being so high, that's the that's the gold mine right now. So you try to get your people in as as soon as possible. If you get a guy in U nine, like Lionel Messi played at Barcelona when he was like ten years old or fifteen. I don't know the exact age. I don't want to throw anything wrong here. But he played at Barcelona when he was very very young. Um, same with other big stars, and and that way you you don't have to pay a hundred million dollars for the guy. So. There's all these youth academies, and in the U.S., obviously with high school and college, it works so much different that once you start watching the professional sports, you're like, wait a second. Like, why are they saying where they went to university? Like, what does that have to do? And then you start doing research, and that's where I became curious, and that's how I learned more and more and more. But really, the moment I, I learned more about it by playing and by actually being in the U.S., so that's when I started learning more, more about it. So what do you tell uh, your family and your friends, maybe back in Germany, what you do now? How do you explain it? Um, I, I think media work is, or, or sports information media work, what I do is pretty similar across uh, all sports in, in the world. You know, recaps are recaps, no matter whether it's you right. know, German soccer or American football. Um, the recaps are the same, the stats are the same. Um, and then on the, on the digital media side, I think it's funny because um, – I think the U.S. is a little bit, still a little bit ahead with their trends um, as far as that is concerned. For example, um, when last time I was working in, in Germany, you know, Snapchat wasn't there at all. Um, now I'm I'm not the biggest fan of using Snapchat in college athletics, but if you're a professional team, I think it's great. Um, so I went, I went in and I was like, hey, like Snapchat is, is a big thing in the U.S. right now. And they were like, huh, interesting. And so I watched it grow over the last year or two um, where every team sporadically started to add, hey, this, we're the second team now. We're the third team to add Snapchat, fourth team. And, and now the whole league is kind of on Snapchat. Uh-huh. And I think it's interesting because if I were to go back right now, I would probably tell them, hey, get rid of your Snapchat, <laughs> which is the, the turnaround is so funny. Because um, I'm I'm more into Instagram stories now than I am into Snapchat, but I guess that's that's a question of taste uh, and a question of how big your staff is. I think you can still do great things with Snapchat, but um, for a small staff that we have, I think Instagram is the way to go. Right. So you're definitely Team Instagram over Team Snapchat. Um, yes, for for multiple reasons. Number one, the biggest reason being I want to give the fans access. Um, ideally, I mean. The, the, what I actually do to what I want to do is always different because of, you know, things get crazy and there's a lot of things that we need to do first as kind of a base. But ideally, I think the best Instagram stories I see are, are team huddles, are in the locker room, are, you know, from the NFL and NFL teams, for example. I look at them and I see um, them giving the viewer so much access or sideline footage 
So when I use Snapchat, right, I'm on the field or in the locker room and there's so much noise on game day. I can't necessarily check and see if it's clean or if, if, if all that happens when I'm on Snapchat, but I can easily film it on a professional camera, plug it in, even if that only takes 10 minutes. I will have my, my workstation set up. I will, I will film before the game, run up to the press box, plug in an SD card, make sure I have headphones plugged in, check and see if everything is clean, if everything – I have it on a big screen. I can see, hey, someone – you know, our players are great, but maybe the opponent – yeah. Is maybe the music isn't clean if you're on the road. You know, in small schools things happen. Yeah. So I like to be able to edit it out, listen to it, watch it on the big screen, maybe add a logo, and then add it to the Instagram story afterwards. That's why I'm. That's the number one reason why I'm Team Instagram right now. Um, also, I think it's, it's so much for my. It's it's my own. The the way I use social media. I don't follow a lot of teams on Snapchat. I follow a ton of teams on Instagram. I feel like Snapchat is more like an extension of iMessage, where it's more like your friends yeah. and, and, and personal stuff where you want to connect to friends um, with that. And I know the data is going to you know, prove me wrong on this, but um, I follow teams for the access, not on Instagram, not Snapchat. That's just a couple of reasons why I'm, I'm more into that. But if I changed jobs tomorrow and, and took a job with an NFL team, I would probably redo my strategy on that and reconsider adding Snapchat because people are more diehard fans the higher you go. So, yeah. One more thing I want to go back to your, to your uh, Ithaca experience before I promise we'll move on. What was going through your head when you kicked a 50-yard field goal? Ooh, that was uh, – I remember that like it was yesterday. So, Empire Championship game, St. John Fisher. Um, it was uh, it was a cold day, but actually for like October upstate New York, it wasn't bad. Um, and then the the interesting thing was we kicked um, earlier in the half, and and you know how football is, you can re- really only warm up on one side of the field. Yeah. But as a kicker, you w- you want to get kicks in on both sides. And the way it worked that day was I had a ter- I, terrible warm-ups, terrible warm-ups. I was not making half of my kicks. I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on? Championship game, can't do that. But I still had some, some, some good vibes about me that day. So we line up second quarter, down 3 nothing, 37-yard field goal into the side that I hadn't warmed up on, but it was with the wind. And I was like, 37, you know, I got the distance right here. Um, very clean operation. And that ball traveled 55, 60 yards. So I was super excited about that. And that kind of gave me the confidence, hey, I got, I got great distance on that side. So then we come back. They, they actually kick a field goal with eight seconds left on the clock. Kick, squib kick it. We recover it at like the 40-yard line. Throw one out route, and here goes the ball. And I'm, it, everything happens so quickly that I'm like, I have no idea what yard line we're on until I'm trotting out on the field. And I'm like, uh, oh, wow, this is 50 yards. Like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> I, I thought it was like 42, 43. I thought we were way, way ahead. But um, going back to that first kick, I was like, that gave me the, the confidence to, to nail that kick. And um, the, the interesting part then was um, as soon as the ball snapped, if you're a kicker, you look at your holder's fingers. That's all you look at. And I heard like a crushing sound, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, they're really, the rush is going to be really heavy." So the adrenaline rush was like, like crazy on that one. And I, I tried to like kick 
sort of a line drive to make it go, and it went like 51 and a half yards. There's, if, if you look up the video on YouTube, it didn't really pass the crossbar by much. But uh, obviously that was huge. Tied the game at the half. Um, still tied for the school record. I kind of look watch the game every week to see if we if that school record still stands. Um, but it's a tough place to kick in Ithaca and, and upstate New York to begin with. Um, so that was awesome. We won the game. Um, and there's there's nothing like winning a championship as a player. There's absolutely nothing like it. And even I, I take so much into my job right now um, that is that is on a serious side. I love covering all different sports. I love covering football. I love, you know, I went to a softball uh, championship tournament last year. Um, basketball, we hosted the, the postseason. There's nothing like winning a championship. But when you're co- and when you're covering, you, you try to be as close as you can to the athlete. But at the same time, I hate when people congratulate me on a win when I'm working a game. Right. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like, there's so much like because I've made big kicks in my career and I've missed big kicks in my career. And there's absolutely and and I've prepared like crazy for it. And in our job, that is the cool thing is the harder you prepare, the better you will be. Like, yes, things will happen. The internet could go out. Your computer could die. You could get run over by a truck the day before. You know, <laughs> but. <laughs> At the same time, usually what happens in our job is the level of preparedness has a direct correlation with how good you perform on game day as far as how good is your social media, how good is your story, how well do you know the athletes, how well do you know the stats, how well do you know the roles, what is your stack room knowledge, whatever your role is. In a game, when you're on on the field, on the court, wherever you are, you could prepare, you could be the hardest worker ever and something could go wrong. And you will still look like an idiot on the field. So there's like, there's nothing like playing and there's nothing like winning a championship. So as much as I love covering the games, that will always be a special moment winning as a player compared to winning as an SID. Where I, I love it for that reason, but it's always going to be different. Yeah, yeah. Well, my longest field goal is 30 yards. That's nowhere near what you did. But I'm curious now in your role, you were a student athlete, like you said, four years. So what's been that kind of experience as a student athlete how does that translate to your relationship with your student athletes now in your new job um i think that, that's that's a great question because i i try to um to make sure that i have a great relationship with my student athletes while still keeping a great distance to them so um i think if you're in media locker room footage is great but the locker room is a holy place I will only go into the locker room after a huge win. I will stay outside, even if it's you know if it's football, and I know the guys, and you know they're joking with me, and some of the students are actually in class with me um, still um, because they're you know fifth year seniors, grad students. So I, I will sit across from you know our, our place kicker, our <laughs> our defensive tackle. So I'm I'm friends with those guys, but at the same time, I will never go into the locker room because of my playing experience. I hated when people came into our locker room, and um, also there's just. I try to keep and, and build a relationship with my athletes so that when it's game time, they don't notice me, that I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just there. If you look at our, um, our football page, there's, there's a video we posted. One of the, um, I'm not really a great video guy, I'm really trying to, to make myself better at it. But, um, last weekend at, we were at Columbia and I was able to walk out with the team for, for warmups, um, and get kind of the intros and, and watch them kind of as they, came out of the locker room and, and get some footage of people really locked in, like really focused on their role, playing the game through in their heads. 
and it felt like they did not know I was there. They, they had no clue that I, the camera was on, the camera was rolling, and that's what, that was like my moment where I was like, that's where I want to be. I want to make sure that they're so comfortable with me that they can focus without knowing that I'm being around because I, at the same time, I want to capture as much as possible, and they love when we come up with hype videos, when we feature them, and they're always like, Max, when am I going to be in the video? Max, when am I going you know, but at the same time, I want to keep that distance, and the better of an understanding you have of what's going on in the student athlete's mind and the better your relationship with them is, I feel like the, the more efficient your work is going to be. Cause if I walked in there and if that had been my first day on the job, they would have been like, who's that guy with the camera? They would have been looking at me and I would have been like, ah oh, man, like I'm taking away from this guy's focus right now. So, but because we were in the weight room with them in the spring, you know, and, and talking with them and, and I know when, you know, that's, that's an SID's job. You know, when the ankle is hurting, but you can't tell anyone. You know, so, but you're talking with the athletes and you're like, Hey, like, how is this? How is that? Or, or, um, you're talking to a women's soccer player and, and you're like, Hey, I'm glad you were back. You missed the last two games because you know, you, not many people watch every game and not many people follow every practice and see the players walking around campus like we do. Um, so at the same time, trying to talk to them while not being like all up in their, in their business and, and being kind of a fanboy. I think what's the one thing that helped me with that was my experience as a student athlete because I was like opposing SIDs or bad SIDs that followed our team. Um, we went through a couple during my playing days. Um, they would be like all in the locker room and I'm like, stop. Like this is, this is our locker room, especially because you say stuff that, you know, should only stay in the locker room. Like you're, you're talking about things that shouldn't leave the locker room. Um, or at the same time, when there was a, a professional camera crew around, we played on Time Warner Cable a couple times um, with the TV timeouts, and, and the guys would come on the sideline, and um, they would test their sound right before the game, right by my kicking net. And I was like, leave. Get get out. Like, this is my, this is my kicking net right here. I know it's on the sideline, and I know I'm only, I probably will only take one kick in this net, but I have all my equipment, like my tee and my, my sticks and all, you know, it's typical kicker talk uh -huh. here. Sorry about that. But like, if you're, you're kind of invading my private space, that is like my house on game day. I need to know where everything is because when we score, I'm going to run out for the, for the extra point, And then I got to come back and find that tee. So if the sound guy kicks it in warmups and I can't find it for the opening kickoff, guess what? We're not kicking off and I'm going to look like an idiot. So that, I know it's a long answer, but there's a lot that I think about with that every day. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you uh, graduated from Ithaca, what was your kind of job process like? I mean, how did you end up at Wagner? Um, so it was, I, uh, the job was posted in, I want to say March, early March, mm. uh, mid March. And I, I applied, um, for the job. Um, I had, I had a couple interviews before that, but it came down to a Wagner and, a, and like two or three other schools. And the interview process was pretty quick. I think I got an interview, like a phone interview the day after I applied and I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And it turned out that, um, uh, my boss here, John Beister, he knew one of the uh, people that I worked with when I worked the the Atlantic 10 basketball tournament um, at the Barclays Center, uh, like a month and a month before that. So it must have been it must have been late March, sorry. Um, and then our head football coach, or my head football coach um, at Ithaca, knew our athletic director here at Wagner. So that was another great uh, connection that I had. Uh, came up, uh, <laughs> took the took the Cornell bus to the to the city, took the ferry over to Staten Island. Um, 
and then uh, interviewed, and I actually didn't get the job that I applied for. <laughs> it's another cool wrinkle. I applied for a different job, and um, they filled it. They called me, and they were like, hey, we filled the job, but we really liked you, so um, stay put. So I kept applying to jobs, and the day that I was scheduled to have another phone or Skype interview, um, I actually got offered another job at, at Wagner and took it the same day. So um, that was a little interesting interview process. What, was there any sort of culture shock or anything like that when you moved to Wagner? Uh, when I moved to Wagner, um, a little bit. I mean, it's. I think you're always going to have a little bit of a culture shock. Mm-hmm. Um, switching schools, especially from the Division Three to the Division One level. Um, you know, a Division One school. There's there's a lot going on on basketball game days. There's a lot going on on football game days. Um, but then at the same time. Um, there's, there's also a lot going on when you're a small school and you maybe don't have the budgets that a Western Michigan might have who are playing this, this weekend. Um, so, so obviously there's a lot to adjust to every time you go to a different school. Um, but I think my, my coworkers and my, and my boss here did a, did a good job um, explaining things to me and how things work at Wagner. So it wasn't as big as I expected it to be. Um, I want to know, like you kind of mentioned it there real briefly, and we've talked about it here in a couple other episodes, but the biggest differences that you saw moving from Division Three in your short time there to Division One, where you are now? Um, the, the biggest difference between D3 and D1, uh, I mean, yeah, the players are a lot bigger, faster, stronger um, <laughs> on the field. Um, but I think it's, it's also um, being, being on ESPN – for, for a game or, you know, whether it's ESPN or ESPN3. Um, and then the amount of pregame notes and, and other materials that we have to submit, um, I thought was, was ridiculous at first. Um, as far as like basketball, I, I don't write the basketball game notes, but looking at them and or like media guides. We never did media guides in D3. Um, so design coming up with a design for a media guide for me it was like whew, like yeah. I, I didn't have it in my head at first i was like hey first basketball season here there we go like we're gonna have the graphics re- i had my graphics ready to go for like game day on the website and, and uh-huh. game day for social media which you know last year for this year they're going to be completely different again just because of the way social media is moving so fast but then it was like hey we need to come up with this media guide and i was like oh man like i yeah, I, I, I've seen them before. I've, I saw them laying around when I worked a couple tournaments, but then I was like, oh, man, like we got we to gotta do them ourselves. And um, so, so that's, that's kind of tough, especially when you don't have outside company help um, like some other schools do. I know IMG helps a lot of schools and uh, looking at those, and then you're like, oh, man, I got to do this now. Um, but you, you manage. There's, there's a lot of hours yeah. in there that people don't see, but yeah. you still manage. Yeah, we uh... – I, I've never designed, well, like, I've thought about designing posters before, you know. I mean, we're a pretty big design, graphic design type of guy, and then I was told the other day, you need to start thinking about what you would like in a baseball poster, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, into the creative yeah. design, um, digital media type world. I think the biggest thing is to get that spark. I mean, mm. it, you've... I will sit in front of the computer for hours and nothing will happen. And sometimes I will be anywhere. Could be anywhere. I love going into, into New York City. I love going to Manhattan because that's where sometimes I will just get hit by the spark just because there's so much advertisement and lights and all that stuff. 
Um, or I could be like working out or I could be in the shower and that light, it's literally like a strike of lightning that hits me. And then I'm like, it takes like an hour, two hours to come up with the, the concept design. And then obviously, um, you've got to edit it out. Um, but that's, that's, I think one of the toughest things that outside people don't really understand that don't work in this business is you have to have that creative juice at all times right. because you need it all day, every day. And, um, so, so that's one thing that I think is the biggest challenge, but it's a fun challenge. And what I love about my job is finding that creative spark in everything. So if, um, I love checking like Skull Sparks or, or the Trenches account and, and interacting with those guys and, and following other designers at other schools um, for inspiration. Um, I know my, my soccer graphics, for example, for the season, um, I looked at what Purdue does for football. I think they're doing such an amazing job where I was like, it's so simple yet so great. And then I, you know, I looked at what Ohio State does for football, which I have no clue how they do it. Um, but so, but I kind of said, okay, let's let's try to take like one small piece from here, and one small piece from here. I remember um, Purdue does a great job with with signs, Boston College too, um, where they will throw in little X's, little pluses, little dots, all around their graphics while keeping something else. Uh, it, it doesn't look blank. Mm-hmm. For for like, it's tough to explain. It it just makes the graphics so full and so so clean because it doesn't fill up words and you don't you don't have to put logos anywhere and distract the viewer but at the same time you are like there's something here so i love looking at um these those things and um so so that's those are definitely um my my favorite things is is going to find the inspiration and trying to look for the creative juice that is that is somewhere i don't know where it is mm-hmm. but sometimes it'll just happen and sometimes it'll take days and i'm like this is a little like creative i'll you'll see me like walking around the office like crazy and people are like max what's, what's going on and i'm like i just i just got to find the creative juice here like yeah yeah i i'm i'm, I'm completely with you there so i want to go back to kind of your relationship with the student athletes and like you kind of mentioned your prior experiences being a student athlete as it translates now but i'm curious what is one thing you would like SIDs to understand about how to be, you know, a better or have a better relationship with that student athlete? Are, are there some, some things that SIDs don't do or some things that SIDs do that, you know, irk you a little bit when, when you hear about those sorts of things? So on the one, on the one hand, I think athletes naturally love SIDs just because they will promote you and they will do everything. I think it's important to, um, to show your face and so that people know who you are. Um, and I think I, I, I got to do a, a better job with, with some sports there. And um, I think it would be cool to lay out and to, to the athletes, what are, what are you doing? If there's a team meeting, I mean, um, I don't personally do it, but I think it might be a good idea in the future um, to just go to a team meeting for five minutes and be like, hey, I'm Max, I'm your SID, um, here's what we're doing. And be like, I'm going to put graphics out here. I'm going to put stories out here. If you have, a, if you do great, feel free to come to my office. Most athletes don't know where my office is, so that's always something, something sad. But some do, and some of them, I'm like, hey, come to, swing by the office. Like, I can show you this. Like, if we had a photographer at the game, and they're like, hey, like, did you take any great photos? And I'm like, well, I can't send them to you, but I can show you one thing. And then if you if you play well, I will use this as the website story, or I will use this. So, um, 
getting the athletes' input is something where, where I'm like, that's great. If the athletes are like, hey, like, you should you should ha- tell your video guy to be under the basket next time we're in practice. Our video guy does it, but mm-hmm. if if you if you interact with the athletes that way, I think it's great and, and giving them a chance to be creative. I did a, um, a swimming and diving senior shoot last week where I went out with the camera in front of our um, main building on campus and um, just the seniors and took a couple pictures for their you know before the season for their senior day. And they ran it all by themselves. Usually I run most of our photo shoots where I come prepared for my sports. And I'm like, hey, you do this pose, you do that pose. Again, I just get resources from all over the country. Um, I save them on the iPad and I'm like, do this. I like that. And there will be other schools and the athletes can relate. But they just ran the whole thing. And I'm like, just tell me what you want. You're doing great. And it looked great. And they were like, hey, can we do like, you know, our arms crossed? Or can we sit on the stairs in front of the main building? Or can we just sit in the grass? And I'm like, do it. I'll take it, you know. With today's SD card system, I can take a million photos, and it doesn't matter. So um, I think being being able for the student-athlete to recognize who is my SID is the biggest thing because they will come up with their own ideas, and they will appreciate you, and they won't um, be sad if you, miss, if you miss a stat or if you miss something here because they will be able to tell you, hey, Max, you know, you gave me that. Like, it, it very rarely happens. But they would be like, hey, like, um, you have me down as a single and a stolen base, but like, you know, it was actually a double or some, you uh-huh, know, some yeah. situation here. Like, they will be able to, the softball team, because I've traveled with them, they know me and they can be like, hey, Max, like, what are we, can we do this? Can we do that? Or something like that. So th- that's one thing where you obviously have to be professional with them. Um, but at the same time, I l- enjoy the fact that people know who their SID is and that they, if they have suggestions or problems, can come to me. Perfect, perfect. Um, real quick, right before we move on to the fun, fun stuff, uh, one thing you wish people knew about Germany athletics? One thing you know. I think Germany does a great job with road fans attending the games. And it, it always gets overlooked. I mean, everybody knows the big teams, soccer teams, all that stuff. The Olympics, people watch it. Um, but road soccer fans are organized so well in Germany that um, it's something that, especially like high-flight college athletics or, or pro sports, should maybe use as an example. Because um, when there's a rivalry game in Germany – you get fenced off. You get. I went to a couple as a fan when I was younger. Um, you get driven into a different airport, or not airport. You get driven into a different train, train station, and then you get picked up from there. And there's a bus shuttle to get you there. So you will never get into a situation like we have in the NFL, where fans fight each other in the stands. Yeah. Because they will never see other fans. They will never see home fans. So after the game, the, I went to a game um, like an hour away from my hometown, German second league. Um, and after the game, you're just like there's just barriers. There's like an a, an usher and a police officer here and there. But then you get put onto a bus, and they have like ten buses. They drive you to the airport where there's a separate train station in the airport, which you know that's the luxury of the city we were in. But then from that train station, there's one train that drives eight thousand fans back home, and you don't see a different. You don't see a single fan with a different jersey on the entire time. And so that's how I think you could reduce fan violence so much just by organizing it that way. Because um, German tickets, on the back of them say, if you're wearing 
this color, you are not in, allowed to enter in, in the stadium. So home fans will not be allowed into their favorite team stadium if they're wearing home colors, but they're sitting in the away block. Why don't America? What? Whatever, man. We're good. We're gonna go. So I'd like to transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. And the first thing I have for you, Max, is favorite memory in your professional tenure. Let me think. There's a lot of great memories um, that I've made throughout internships and and my experience. Um, um, there's a there's a couple. I mean, it's one of my favorite moments that happens is seeing a student athlete take out their phone and showing me that my graphic is their phone background. That's very small. It happens very like it, it's not as big as like traveling to a big football game or something. Uh -huh. But it makes my day every time. It's it's so great. There's there's um, or or an another thing going into our dining hall. And going by five different tables, and all five tables are watching the hype video that you came out with two hours ago. So those are the small moments that you know they're not they're not as flashy as you know other people might say um, in this in this thing. And I think you know traveling to Western Michigan, taking a plane to a football game this year this week will be up there. That'll probably be one of my favorite moments, and I'm so looking forward to it. But. At the same time, I think it's the little things that happen on a daily basis where people are like, that graphic was so cool. Or like, this is my phone background. Check this out. Uh, that really make my day on a daily basis and that motivate me to like put in the extra effort here and there. So what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Biggest horror story. Um, so I, fi I fixed that um, in the end. But um, last year, senior day softball, um, <laughs> It's raining. I get to the press. It's a really tiny press box. And we're going to stream the game on Facebook Live. But I, I find out that the internet in that press box is completely dead. And we're going to stream it off an iPad. So we can't hard, like we can't hardwire it. And my Wi-Fi is not working. And so I'm like, well, like that's the biggest game of the year. And we have seniors from Florida. And they're not, their parents aren't here. And they're not going to be able to see the senior day. So I was luckily there like three hours before that. I tried 18,000 things to get it to work. And I tried, and I got it to work five minutes before the game. And then we get the the national anthem played. I announced our starters. We warm up and call the game because of rain. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that uh, might be a little frustrating, just just a little bit. You, you know. so, so I was like, whew, like we got it done. But like, we're still not playing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Uh, oof, cliche time. Here we go. Go for it. Uh, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Like that is that is one of my favorite sayings, and I'm like, whatever you do, I don't care if you're an SID or you know in med school or you want to be on Wall Street or whatever. Like, grind. I don't care. Like, uh -huh. find whatever you want to do and and and. Go at a hundred miles an hour. That's the thing that I love about football. Football coaches always preach: if you're going to make a mistake, like play fast. If you're going to make a mistake, make it at a hundred miles an hour. We're like, I'm like, I like that because not everything's going to go right, but you might as well give your your best effort. And you know, don't be don't be shy to like make a mistake here or there. Like, yeah, don't don't be dumb and make mistakes knowingly that you're going to make a mistake. Um, but but play fast. That's just it. I like that too. I like that go 100 miles an hour thing too. That that kind of makes sense to me. My next question is, 
when you look around the country, maybe your division, maybe the NEC, maybe your own office, you know, what have you, and you look at an SID and you say, that is a good SID, what, what are some things that they do or maybe some characteristics that they have that make you say that? Um, I think it differs around around the country, and I try to evaluate every school um, based on their resources, what they have. Um, I think a, a good SID these days is not just about stats. A good SID um, sends me the stat file, you know, under an hour after the game, and and you know, if I if we have any changes, they make the changes and, and all that stuff that goes behind goes on behind the scenes. But at the same time. Um, if you are able to to bring your message to social media, I don't care how many resources you have. Um, if if you're if you're effective, you're good at your job. There are schools that are that are super small that put out great graphics. Yeah. There are schools that are very big that put out terrible graphics. So um, I think you've got to judge every every school by its resources. But at the same time, if you're able to do more than just stats and go beyond that and actually go into the digital media, that's what makes it a good SIDB too. But um, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? One thing I'm interested in, ooh, um, this industry moves so fast. So I could give you a laundry list. I have a to-do list and I want a learn list on my, on my sheet. This industry moves so fast that, for like, just to give you an example, Instagram Stories didn't exist last year. So now I got to design my graphics for Instagram Stories, kind of moving the moving the pressure off of our Instagram to just based on the algorithm. I want our Instagram to be clear in case of a win. So I want us to get a lot of likes in case of a win because people like winners. So I want to put the pregame graphic onto the story so that it doesn't clog clog up our feed. That didn't exist last year. So now I got to design for the Instagram stories and all of a sudden I got to design at 1080 wide, 1920 high. That didn't exist. I got to adjust on the fly. So now what I want to learn to, I look at football right now and every single school has animations because if, if they're on ESPN, if they're on a big channel at ABC Fox, they can't update. Like we're lucky enough on NEC front row. It's great. We got um, snappy TV. In, so we literally just enter live video and it, it's awesome. Like we get so many impressions on that and it's, it's, it's a great time. Um, but if we're on ESPN, like we will be this Saturday. We got to be creative. So I created animations and that was like kind of on the fly type deal where I'm like, oh, I got to learn more After Effects. I got to learn more Premiere. Obviously, everything in the future is going to be more animated and it's going to move, but it's still going to have to have Photoshop. So I'm, try I'm constantly trying to get my basically my creative cloud knowledge up there um, and see what other schools are doing. I know um, most schools came out with Spark the last two weeks that I hadn't really seen for game recaps. I've seen it here and there for like big tournaments. Yeah. So now I'm like, I have no idea what it is. Like I can tell you right now, I have no clue how to use it. Um, my coworker says it's really easy, but, and, and he's worked with it um, at another place. But um, there's just, I, I, that's that's one thing that I, I, I love. I, I love that about my job, that it moves so fast that I literally have to read social media like the newspaper and adjust to what's happening. So I can I can tell you right now, I'm working on more After Effects knowledge right now. I could be working on more Photoshop in a week, though. So it always changes, and that's one thing that I love about the job. Work-life balance, what do you do to have fun? Uh, what do I do to have fun? I don't have a work-life balance to begin with, but with it's tough with grad school and all that stuff. What mm -hmm. I do to, to have fun, I'm, I, I try to stay active. Um, I currently have a torn ACL, so it's you know I have to get surgery in two weeks. But um, I still try to go to the gym every day. Um, you know the rehab is gonna it's gonna take some time off that. 
Um, and other than that, I, I try to go outside. <laughs> like Manhattan is 20 minutes away right now. So that is a great time um, for me. I love going to the city. I love, um, you know, going to sport events as a fan. I love catching up with friends, which is also great in New York City. I never thought that when I took the job, um, how many friends that I hadn't seen in years would all of a sudden fly through New York and be like, hey, Max, I'm in the city for a night. And I'll be like, hey, I'll meet you in an hour. And we meet up 30 minutes and it's awesome. So um, that's how I kind of try to get my work-life balance underway. Um, occasionally, I, I try to play a little bit of like video games or watch movies or do yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, when you're in grad school and you have class two, three times a, a week at night, then and that kind of takes away from that and then the travel and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it, work-life balance in this job is tough. That's one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, next time someone is in the Staten Island area, Manhattan area, you can group in whatever area you want. You're, you're kind of in the biggest city in the United States. But um, what is your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oof, um, Staten Island, you got to go to Danino's. Great pizza. Uh, amazing pizza um and then manhattan um <laughs> you gotta go this is funny because you gotta go to union square and go to a restaurant called vapiano and it's actually german so that's why i'll recommend it on the show there's a lot of great food places here there's um but but that's one to recommend and then also if you have never been to new york city go to chelsea market and go to um the one in brooklyn the cow food hall there's if you don't like any food that's at the cow food hall or chelsea market then you don't eat food because there's so much great stuff there and there are great food halls. And if you're going with friends that are maybe picky eaters or you're going with a great group um, that's larger than like five or ten people, that is like the perfect spot to go. Perfect, perfect. And if anybody had any you know, follow-up questions, maybe they wanted to network with you, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Um, the best way to do it is I would say Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, Twitter is very simple, at Max Rotnicker. And then my LinkedIn will be the pinned tweet and in my bio. Uh, on my Twitter page, but it's also you just search uh, LinkedIn.com backslash Max Rotnicker and it should come up. Um, and then you can you can see what graphics or videos I put out. You can uh, I don't really I, I try to keep like other dumb stuff off of my social media, um, like like football analysis or um, <laughs> you know a couple of, of dad jokes. I try to keep my Twitter dad joke free, but um, <laughs> yeah, check out my work. I, I encourage you if you're if you're listening to this, uh, follow me on Twitter, follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me. Um, I'm in New York City, so it should be pretty easy if you want to get in touch. Um, yeah, that's about it. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Max, for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. And thank you, everyone, for already downloading and subscribing to this podcast. If you haven't done it already, maybe this is your first taste of SIDcast. Highly recommend that you do it. I'm not saying that because I came up with this thing. I'm saying that because I think it'll help you out, I think is how I'm going to cover that for me. So, um, And another thing that you can do. It just takes a couple seconds, guys, and it's just rate and review on iTunes, and it helps out with the algorithm. I'm proud that we do have a five average five-star rating. Uh, check that every other day. You bet your butt I do. So, yeah, uh, if you go ahead and do that, that would be fantastic. And one last thing, guys, before I head on out of here, follow us on social media using at SportsInfoCast because SIDCast is already taken. And uh, you can email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Next week, we are off, guys. I'm taking a break because I'm tired. No, because we are coming up on our one-year anniversary here in October, and we're doing a seven episodes and seven days campaign. So I need some time to edit the, the episodes that I've already recorded. 
So, as of the time of this recording, we're at number 41, and by the time we'll be in the middle of October, we'll be at 48, I think, is the number we'll be at. So, I thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.